hey, it's us, big and white. <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that? I don't know. Um, we're coming here to you guys because we want to tell you about an amazing new patron that we have. Yes, it's shout out time. So she is a temple monkey and therefore her name is Curious Georgina. Aren't we so smart? Big shout out to you, Curious Georgina. So temple monkeys are the craftiest thieves in Nepal. Their hobbies include laughing at the monkeys that are trapped in the zoo and posing for photos. So, yeah, so temple monkeys are fun to look at, but not to make eye contact with. <laughs> they will attack you. They're intense. This patron of ours isn't quite so intense, but thank goodness. We are super grateful to her. Thanks again, Curious Georgina. You the best. You the best. I'm big. And I am white. And together we are big and white. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. So what are we talking about today, White? Today we are talking about one of our most favorite things, shopping. Ooh, 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 ooh. Because in Nepal, it is quite different than how we do things in America. That is true. It's very different. And in ways you might not expect. Yeah. So hopefully at the end of this episode, it'll make sense. No, it'll never make sense. It's, it still doesn't entirely make sense to me, actually. Yeah. Your hopes are too high for this yeah, episode, I think. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> set your expectations low and you'll be sure to enjoy. Oh my gosh. You guys, we've been like singing so much on this podcast I have a song for, like, everything. Oh, what's your song for this? Well, I just want to sing A Whole New World, A Dazzling Place You Never Knew. Yeah, I mean, Nepal is a whole new world yeah. in a variety of reasons, for yeah. a variety of reasons, whatever. There's so many prepositions <laughs> you can use. It's difficult. But first, let's talk about our weeks. What happened to you this week, Big? Well. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I had something tragic happen to me. Oh, no. So we recorded an amazing episode interview with one of White's friends. And it was so fun. And it was a great episode. And then I went to look at the file. And I realized that it didn't save. (laughs) Tragedy of tragedies. Yes. So I went through all five stages of grief, mm-hmm. including denial, anger at my friend who I blame because he didn't delete his files off of the SD card I was using. Mm-hmm. <sighs> uh, what I don't remember all the other stages, but now I have depression. Landed. Oh, depression was bargaining. A long one. Yeah, yeah, bargaining. Maybe I can fix the file. Maybe I can fix it. No, it sounds like an echoey tunnel no. room. And then acceptance i've landed on acceptance and you know it's it's been an emotional roller coaster but here we are yeah it's all part of the podcasting life Mm. but we do want to share with you some of the best things that we think our friend said during that interview yeah so our friend that we interviewed is from the uk and she lived here in Nepal for six months last year and then mm-hmm. has moved back. So I think some of our biggest takeaways that we found interesting from the interview was 
her perspective post Nepal and some of her observations that she made about what it's like to move back. Just even little things like we asked her, you know, what did you look forward to about going back to the UK after living in Nepal? And she said, going running outside. Yes. I was like, man, that's so true. Because mm-hmm. I used to run before I moved here, but now I just, it's so dusty and mm-hmm. polluted. You always are questioning, like, is the lung cancer I'm getting worth the good yeah. cardio exercise? <laughs> and <laughs> like, you feel like you're either running on a really dusty polluted road in a polluted area or you're running in like a narrower place that smells really really bad and like i'm a gagger when i run so (laughs) (laughs) or like if you run in certain areas people are staring at you like what the heck are you doing (laughs) is there a wild animal that you're running from like what's happening you have to cover up more of your body than you're used to right different modesty rules Mm -hmm. yeah it's rough and we asked her Um, what was the most difficult part about going back to the UK? And she was talking about how she couldn't go into a big supermarket for like quite a while after (laughs) she went back. She had to go to all of the like really small little local markets because yeah, she just got so overwhelmed. Like in Nepal, like she, her example was you're, you can find one can of tuna, maybe like one kind but then you go back to your home country in the West and suddenly there's like an entire aisle just for tuna. Decision fatigue, you yeah, guys. Yeah, like how do you know exactly what kind of tuna that you actually want and need? It's incredible that we develop that skill. But the thing that I think I appreciated the most that she talked about was we asked her what things she's bringing back to the UK mm-hmm. with her from Nepal. And she talked about really intentionally building more space into her life. So putting more emphasis on relationships and, you know, instead of living that fast paced life. I mean, she lives in London um, thinking about being a human being, not a human doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really liked some of her tips for that. I mean, (laughs) we said like, what advice would you give people to slow down in the West? And she was like, get a different job. (laughs) I mean, you can't always affect that. But yeah, just like focusing on key people in your life and making sure that you have time for all of them before getting too involved with other things, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like yeah. just pausing to think before you say yes to everything. Yeah. And I asked like, oh, well, you know, now that maybe you aren't working as much overtime or you have other priorities, how are people at work reacting? And she said that, she felt like a lot of it was just what she imposed on herself. Mm -hmm. Like people don't react negatively when you have a healthy balance between your personal life and your work life. And I found that really encouraging Mm -hmm. because I think that's something that I dread about potentially moving back to the U S is like, how am I going to go from such a healthy balanced life that we have here where our friends all live close to us and we can take the day off if we need to, to like a normal job. sounds hard i'm scared but like she said that what she's noticed is most people who actually do well in their job are the people that intentionally take a step back and figure out what their priorities are and then work towards those with purpose rather than just saying like oh we have to do something we just got to jump into it and you know so like working smarter rather than more yeah Yeah. that's really encouraging yeah 
and she is a very, very hard worker. So hearing her say that is very meaningful. Yeah, it was a really good interview. We had so much fun with her. Yeah, it was super fun to hang yeah. out. And then afterwards, we went and had her favorite food, which is chili momo. Yes, so delicious. Yes, it's a super spicy sauce over momos, which are Nepal's famous dumplings. And they're very spicy, so yes. gives you a little bit of diarrhea the next day. <laughs> Just but a little. Totally worth it. Yeah, almost so fun. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, shout out to Elf. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Yeah. We had a blast. You rock. Well, I mean, that was my tragic event of the week was that whole interview not being recorded. But how about you? I, anything tragic and or wonderful happened to you this week? Tragic and wonderful? And or. I mean, I guess <laughs> this is super boring, but I got my hair cut, which was tragic and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like in the process of growing out my hair because I have my deepest dream right now of having a Nepali woman's hair, which will never happen. Yeah, you but, don't have the right genes for that. Yeah, Nepali women are so beautiful. They're like these little petite things. And so they're like less than five feet tall, but then their hair goes like past their butt and it's like black and super thick and just beautiful. It like weighs as much as their body. Yeah. And um, I am majorly envious, but I am growing out my hair. Yeah, you're making good progress. Yeah. But it had like some really bad split ends. She made me feel cool about it, though, because she was like, oh, but you have like, do you have you dyed your hair or is this just natural? And I'm like, no, it's natural. And she's like, oh, well, because you have all these very like blonde natural highlights at the end, your hair gets dry a lot faster. I was like, oh, thank you. Because <laughs> your hair is super gorgeous. That's why it's really unhealthy at the yeah. end. <laughs> it's like a compliment sandwich. That's right. <laughs> Good. Um, well, I'm proud yeah. of you. It's always hard to get your hair cut when you're growing it up, but Feels it's necessary. Better. And I felt like such an adult, too. Like, because growing up super poor, you don't get a haircut. That's Unless true. you really need one or you're, like, changing your whole style. Right, yeah. But your mom to be just like, trims the ends for you. Right. But to be like, oh, yeah, every two or three months, I should get a haircut so my hair continues to be healthy and looks good. Welcome to adulthood. Yeah, it's so weird. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'd like to thank the Academy. Wow. Speaking of being an adult, that's a weird transition. But let's talk about shopping. Yes. That's a thing adults do, right? Let's talk about food shopping. Okay. (laughs) Something that we have to do, and in Nepal it is super different. It is. Um, Yeah. So I guess my question for you, how often would you go food shopping? It's a very broad question. Yeah, that's it's a little complex because there's different kinds of food shopping. Yeah. (laughs) You can't get all your food at one store. So I think my routine is probably I go to... Like the small corner store where I get pretty much everything but fruits and vegetables three times a week, Mm -hmm. maybe four times a week. Get eggs, cheese, tuna, popcorn, crackers, those kind of things. Then when I buy fruits and vegetables, I would say anywhere from two to five times a week, mm-hmm. depending on how healthy and fresh I'm eating. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, and usually for those, I'll either just buy from like 
one of the people that sell the local in-season fruits and vegetables on a cart on the side of the road. Or sometimes I'll go to like the, there's kind of a semi-permanent market where there's a lot of different fruits and vegetables that are sold. And then every Saturday I get a delivery from the farmer's market, which is where I get my fancy stuff like kale and locally made herbed cream cheese and kombucha bagels bagels hummus mm-hmm. yep that's pretty much my grocery routine yeah and i love that i kind of get to know people because you mm-hmm. see them so often you know i think i've talked about our little corner store which i love so much and the guy always calls me like oh hi little sister yeah. and I'm like hi uncle and he's like what are you buying today <laughs> We're just buddies. It's really Little Nepali Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, he kind of is. He's so sweet. Yeah, and like the lady at the vegetable market always remembers me. Even if I haven't been for like three months, she'll be like, oh, are you out of town? Like, how was the food you were cooking that we talked about last time you were buying stuff for? I'm like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like for me, it wasn't as big of a transition Because I lived in Portland before I moved here, Mm. and I kind of had this, like, little ritual of walking to the small corner co-op grocery store and shopping there and going to weekend farmer's markets and stuff. But I would say for probably the majority of Americans, you would only shop every, like, two weeks or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. How about for you? Did you feel like it was a big transition? Um... I lived in Canada before coming here, and I didn't own a car. So if I had to get things, then I would normally walk down to, like, the small little grocery that was in our town Mm. that we lived in. But it's funny to think about. I don't even really remember how I used to do shopping. I think I was never – okay, yeah. So actually, when I was living in the States, I didn't have a car. I just had a scooter for my last couple years of living there. So – I didn't do like the huge weekly shopping trip. I would go like at least twice a week and just carry stuff home on my scooter. Mm. So, yeah, it was pretty easy to transition because now I go shopping and I'm just on my bike and I've got my backpack on my back completely full of stuff. And then I've got like one or two very trusty grocery bags on my handlebars and maybe another one like attached to the outside of my backpack like held on by a carabiner oh my gosh so many times have i cracked an egg on the way home because i have like a bag of eggs on one handlebar and i'm like oh if i just go slow it'll be fine and then i turn a corner and it swings out and then smacks it against the bicycle like dang it no yeah and what is a available is interesting too like i feel like people always ask me like oh what should i send you in a care package like do you want peanut butter and i'm like no son we have local peanut butter that has (laughs) a cow eating grilled cheese sandwiches on (laughs) the label of course (laughs) i gotta post that one oh my gosh i love that peanut butter it's so good good. so natural yeah um but yeah like that is available you can buy marmite Mm-hmm. You can always get canned garbanzo beans. Like, I feel like there's certain things that are always available that if you had asked me before I moved here, I would never have guessed would be available. Right. But then there's other things that you can't access as much. But yeah, yeah, it seems it's very consistent. random. Like, that's you true. might see it one week and you're like, oh, that's awesome. It's available now. And then you go next week 
to never see it again. Yeah, and that is less common than it was when I moved here. Like, I remember when I first moved here, there was Marmite all the time, which for those of you who may not know, it's like Vegemite, but it's better. Because <laughs> um, everybody knows what Vegemite is. I feel like people know what Vegemite is. If you don't know what Vegemite is, go look it up. I'm not going to tell you. Yeast. All right, moving on. <laughs> It's like a toast spread. Yeah. Um, yeah, there just was no Marmite for a whole year. <laughs> I call it the great Marmite drought of 2017. <laughs> Definitely made headlines. But other things too, like for a good six months, maybe two years ago, there was not a single bottle of conditioner in this whole country. <laughs> like not even at the special beauty store that I always go to for specific things. It was like, what the heck? And I don't really know why that happens. Like it must be that a big shipment comes and then once they run out, like no one orders yeah. more. I don't know. So there's certain things like rolled oats that I just stock up on if I see them mm -hmm. at the store. And yeah, I think it's it's kind of weird because it creates this scarcity mentality that I don't like. Kind of turns me into a weird hoarder. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather just, I mean, in theory, I'd rather just not have stuff when it's not available and then have it when it is available. But it's really hard to execute that in practice. Yeah. Well, and especially since we do most of our shopping in these small corner shops, like every shop carries different products at different times mm -hmm. and so if you see it then you're like oh man i kind of forgot that existed but you know what i really like that so therefore i should buy it just because it's available yeah now. even though it wasn't on my list and i don't need it yeah like pickles they just started <laughs> selling big pickles and i'm obsessed oh they're so good i want one right now <laughs> uh, let's take a pause and go get a pickle <laughs> pickle break <laughs> um yeah i i also get that a little bit so there's a grocery store chain that is really big that's kind of like a i don't know fred meyer or a walmart sure but not as crappy as walmart. <laughs> high class walmart there's my people you're talking about sorry um, but yeah, so they have like one floor is groceries, one floor is clothing, one floor is furniture, one floor is kitchen items. So sometimes I'll go there because they tend to have a wider range of certain types of products. Like they don't have the highest end products, but anyway. But even that, I get a scarcity mentality of like, oh my gosh, I came all three kilometers across <laughs> yes. town to this grocery store. Like I better buy all the things at one time. Which somehow translates into like, four different kinds of cookies that doesn't happen me. to me but there's so many cookies i know in that store. i don't go down the cookie aisle <laughs> it's terrifying no one should go down the cookie aisle like it's so <laughs> narrow there's so many cookies and it's so tall that you could get killed at any time four employees like with boxes yeah shelving things and you can't they like don't even want to know that you're there that you exist <laughs> or need help selective hearing <laughs> excuse me Excuse me. Yeah, so the other night I was out with my girlfriend and you're like, oh, I actually need help. Um, <laughs> the one time you need help yeah. is the one time they're not following you around the store with a basket. Ma'am, do you need a basket? Ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> that is something we should talk about, though. Yeah. That you get so used to people helping you. It's true. Here. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... That kind of is how it used to be in the U.S. Like salespeople mm -hmm. were a lot more hands-on. Yeah. 
But now the style is a lot more standoffish, I would say. And so, I don't know, at least for me, when I first came here, it was so annoying. Like, the shopkeeper would stand, you know, six inches from you because yes. personal bubbles are a different size here. And just, like, watch you. And you're like, what do you want from me? Just and let like, me look. What do you want, ma'am? What do you want? And I'm like, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. <laughs> now I love it, though. I went clothes shopping two nights ago and there was a girl like just following me around because for some reason there's like four employees in a shop that's empty and um she's following me around and she's like ma'am may i take your clothing items i'm like yeah sure and so i'm like picking out clothes i'm like here 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 (laughs) it's awesome it's amazing well and it can be really helpful if you're like i'm looking for a white shirt Mm -hmm. and then they like start finding every white shirt in their whole store for you But in, um, yeah, so in food stores, they'll, like, follow you around and, you know, help you, give you a basket if you need it. But then in the big chain stores, like the one we were just talking about, they're not like that. But you're still in Nepal, so you're like, I don't know how to relate to you. Like, do I talk to you? Or, like, what is our relationship? You start to miss the super hands-on shopkeeping style. like, I need help. (laughs) Help me, help me. So how about... um, since we started talking about it, clothes shopping, what does that look like for you here? And how do you find that to be different from the U.S.? It's hard here. I didn't go clothes shopping for six months after I moved here. And I really need to buy like new business casual kind of attire for work. And I had no idea like where to even buy clothes. Because first of all, we live in Asia where everyone is teensy tiny. Oh my gosh, can I pause you to tell an amazing story? Oh, I'm kind of scared. So my friend was living in South Korea, and she said that whenever she would walk into a clothing shop, the person would immediately put their arms up in the shape of an X and say, no big size. What? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that makes me like feel so insulted by proxy. Talk about big and white. It's like no big size. <laughs> well, they're not quite as like obvious about that here. They no, might look, they, they, they might give you. I mean, Nepalis can be fat. I feel like they try to find your size even yeah. if it doesn't work. Yep. You're like, hi, I wear shoe size 41. And they're like, try on this 38. Just yes. try it on. It's a big 38. <laughs> or you you know, put on a shirt that's like so obviously too small. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. You're like, no, it's not. Can't breathe. Like, no, it looks great. (laughs) Give me your money. (laughs) Yeah. So when I first went shopping here, then I went to just kind of like a local shop. And a lot of the clothes here come either from China or from India. And they from India tend to be very, very expensive. And from China, they tend to be very, very expensive and also very, very poor quality. So you like (laughs) spend more than you would have in a department store in America, and then you wash it twice and it's ripping at the seams. Yep. So I learned my lesson because that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I tried a lot to shop here. And I like before I moved here, I was really strict about trying to only buy fair trade Mm -hmm. or secondhand items for clothing when i moved here i just gave up because i was like well you know that's too hard but i actually have kind of gone back to that now mostly for practical reasons Mm -hmm. just because i can't buy clothes in here anyway yeah like either they don't fit me or they're bad quality so 
I just buy all my clothes when I'm overseas. Yes. <laughs> like, ooh, I have a layover in Australia. <laughs> what kind of shoes can I buy? Yeah. But there is a growing, like, ethical fashion is becoming more in style now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's more, like, pop-up shops, like, um, markets that they're selling, mm-hmm. you know, ethical There's an, brands. a new brand that we love that is Dutch designed and made in Nepal with yeah. all these amazing organic materials. Mm. Pretty amazing. But my favorite shop, which I found when I was so desperately looking for clothes, is called Daffy. It looks like it's spelled Danfi. <laughs> and I told a Nepali friend that. I was like, oh my gosh, have you heard of Danfi? And she was like, I think you mean Dafe, which is <laughs> the national bird of <laughs> Nepal. And I was like, oh. but it's nasalized. So it has an N written in the Roman script. So it's confusing. Yeah. But anyway, it's the best one. It's um, all ethical. It's people that are in other provinces like girls who were affected by the earthquakes that happened a couple years ago and they trained them how to be good seamstresses and make western and nepali clothes and they're just like it's good price and also really good quality and i buy every buy something every time i go in I always want to like them, but I still have the big and white problem. <laughs> you at least have more narrow shoulders. I often, like if I try to buy a top, it's just like not happening. Yeah. My arms are busting out of it. Yeah, well, tiny shoulder problems. Tiny shoulder, tiny shoulder. I have so many songs for her tiny shoulders. Hold me closer, tiny shoulder. Oh, we all have complexes about my tiny shoulders, but it's fine. I don't have a complex. I have a joyful obsession. A joyful obsession. <laughs> Hobby coping mechanism is my tiny shoulders. <laughs> um, my coping mechanism is making fun of you whenever I can. <laughs> yeah, well, my coping mechanism is to allow that, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but speaking of tiny shoulders or big shoulders that don't fit in Nepali clothes, you can have things custom made for you here and that's actually very affordable true facts yeah you can get both nepali clothes and western clothes Mm -hmm. custom made so usually if you're getting nepali clothes which are becoming less common in Kathmandu, because the capital city and you know i'm starting to see a lot more people wearing western clothes especially i mean men have been wearing western clothes for a while but women are transitioning more um, but the one of the traditional Nepali outfits is called a kurta surwa, and it's big puffy pants and a long like tunic top with slits that go up to your hips. And so normally if you're going to buy one of those, you just buy the fabric for it. So you can buy fabric kind of like matching set and then you take it to a tailor and they measure you and they make it to fit your body. Woo-hoo. Which is cool. But you can also do that with Western clothes, if you know the right tailor. Yes. Very important. I did that a lot when I first moved here, actually. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, I mean, I think clothes is one of the examples, but it's interesting how some things here are really cheap, like way mm-hmm. cheaper than I would be used to in most Western countries. But then other things are super expensive. And I, you can't always predict. No. Right. So, I mean, with clothing the actual cloth and pre-made things like regular shirts and stuff like we would buy would be quite expensive 
More expensive than America in a lot of cases, I think. But then labor is cheap. Right. So things that are expensive because of labor in the U.S., like uh, fruits and vegetables, you know, things that require hand picking Mm -hmm. or, I don't know, getting things custom made or getting things fixed. That's all really cheap. Mm -hmm. But then anything that you're going to buy that's imported, so all electronics... Things like washing machines, you know, appliances, that kind of stuff. That's all pretty expensive Mm because there's really high customs fees. And vehicles are insane. Yeah, my friend one time did this calculation based on the minimum wage in Nepal. So it's like, if you earn the minimum wage in Nepal, this is your earning power, as we would see it in U.S. dollars compared to our minimum wage. And so certain things like going to the doctor was still cheaper like even when you calculate up to U.S. dollars. Oh, yeah. Or, um, but other things like toilet paper is like $50 for six rolls. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the one that I remember standing out to me the most was just a normal small car, four-seater, was like $2 million. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So I think if you're like a middle class or upper class person in Nepal, you know, you can still afford like, pretty much like what we would think of as a normal Mm middle-class life. But if you're poor, you're a day laborer, you're earning minimum wage, which is 50 cents an hour, you just can't buy anything. Mm -mm. It's so unattainable. Yeah, you can pretty much only afford like the most basic things that Nepalis would eat, like the dalbat, right? Mm -hmm. So rice, Lentils. lentils, vegetables, Yeah, all of which are cheap as long as you live close to where they're produced Mm -hmm. so interesting after the earthquakes in 2015 they were sending out supplies to villages and the necessities there were five things that were the necessities can you guess what they were rice Mm -hmm. lentils yep um tea oh sugar and salt yeah that is very different than what we would consider the essentials, but I it makes know. a lot of sense. And also the ratio of salt to all the other items was so high. Mm. <laughs> Nepalis make their food really salty. It was funny. I wish I could remember how much I was talking to a Nepali friend and how much rice that she said her family consumes. It was something like two kilos a month. No. Less than that. More than that. Two kilos a People buy day? the 50-pound <laughs> bags for like a month, right? It was something really unbelievable. It's so much. They eat so much rice. So much rice. Yeah, I always wonder like what shopkeepers think of me and like what I buy the most. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Once my roommate went into the corner shop and she was going to buy some eggs but she didn't want to buy them if I had already bought them. So she was like, oh, "Oh, did my friend come into the store? And they were like, uh, maybe, I don't know. And she's like, you know, my friend. And they were were like, well, one girl did come in. And she was like, well, what did she buy? And they were like, cheese and wine. (laughs) (laughs) And my roommate was like, oh, yep, that's her. (laughs) But like, I don't know. It's just funny, like, what? When you go shopping three or four mm-hmm. times a week, you usually only buy like two to three items at a time. <laughs> I yeah. always wonder what the shopkeeper thinks. I'm just like, hi, here's a bottle of wine and some peanut butter and a can <laughs> of tuna. Thank you. Yeah. 
I usually try and space it out, like, because I'm on my bike. And so I, like, buy only a couple heavy things at a time. So I'm like, one can of beans every time I go in. <laughs> I've also gone, like, just to buy wine. And then I'm like, I better buy something else. So yeah. this doesn't look too weird. <laughs> Which is pretty easy to do, yeah, I definitely. think. You know, I will say, going into that same corner shop, they call you, oh, hi, Biney, oh, hi, little sister, you know, and it's like so nice. And they're like super nice to me. But the daughters who help run the shop know me as the girl who always drops things. <laughs> oh, no. So they're like, oh, for God's sake, will you carry a basket? <laughs> One time I went in to buy a bunch of like these bags of dried beans to bring back to America for gifts. And my hands were full and I dropped one of the bags on the ground. And it scattered, like broke open, scattered all over the floor. And I was like, no. And so I kind of like pick it up, take it to the counter. At the counter, I'm trying to put all my stuff down and drop another bag of beans. (laughs) Splits open on the floor. And the girl, she's like, oh, my God. Why would you ever use a basket? (laughs) So now I'm like hyper conscious of it. Like so terrified of embarrassing myself again. That is amazing. See, there's like really good benefits to knowing people around you, but there's sometimes also benefits to being anonymous. Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. Well, I don't really know how to transition into this, but something that I want to talk about about shopping in Nepal is I feel like my friend calls it the one third, one third, one third rule, where it's like if you have a shopping list, don't think you're going to get all 10 items today. No, no. No, not going to happen. First of all, you have to go to what you think are going to be three stores to get them all. Turns into five stores. Mm-hmm. You still only get two thirds of the mm-hmm. items. And only one third are really the ones that you actually want. <laughs> and I feel like it's true in so many contexts. Like if you get something tailored, you get three shirts made. One looks terrible. One looks okay. One looks great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just got to lower your expectations. Yeah. There's no like looking on Amazon to find the exact perfect thing. And I think that as you get used to shopping in Nepal, like you really have to learn where things are available. And that's changing sometimes too. But like we have a a Facebook group that is not only just expats, but Nepalese as well, that basically all people do on that group are say, hey, um, I need like this special baking pan. Have you guys seen this sold anywhere? And someone's like, oh, yeah, um, I saw it in this like one tiny little neighborhood across Ring Road to the south of Kathmandu. <laughs> and it's like kind of in this general area. Um, Go to the guy with like the silk flowers in the front of his shop and ask him if he has it. Yeah, it's so true. It's like. I feel like I'm always trying to keep a mental catalog of mm-hmm. where you can buy things. Like if I go shopping and I see something that I don't need right now, but seems like it could be useful someday, I'm trying to like stow yes. it away in yeah. my mind castle, you know? Yep. It is good to collectivize the information on that Facebook oh, group sure. though. Yeah. I I take that very seriously. Yeah. If like, someone asks for something and you know where it is, you're yeah. like, yes, I will tell yeah. you. Well, because I mean, we already talked about like that we do most of our shopping in these small shops. So like... If you have a grocery list, then you go to one small shop to get like a couple canned item, canned good items. Then you go to an actual coffee shop and buy coffee from them. And then you go up 
to a cheese shop and you buy cheese from another shop (laughs) and then you go into a restaurant and buy hot sauce from the restaurant (laughs) and then you go down to the vegetable market and buy cauliflower from one person and then you go to another market and buy tomatoes from another person. So you like have, you know, a very extensive journey. Yes, it is quite the journey. Yeah. You know what, though? I think I mentioned this on one of our episodes. I used to hate it, and now I kind of love it. It's like a challenge and an adventure. Yeah, truth. my little logistics brain is like, okay, well, if I go to this store first, then I'll go to this store. And I like plan it all out in my mind, my whole little map of where I'm going to go. Well, and I have such pride in like how I got something, you know, like, like I go to a different small shop to get my cheese than I get most of my other things. And I'm like, I love this cheese. And anytime that somebody is like, hey, this cheese is really good. Where'd you get it? And I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you. (laughs) It's such an adventure. It is an adventure. It's it's a challenge. Mm. And I don't know, maybe for someone who lives in a Western country where everything is available all the time, it sounds like a struggle or like a sacrifice to live somewhere where you can't always access everything. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really good, actually. I was listening to someone talk today on a podcast and he was talking about how sometimes constraints are kind of what you need to grow, Mm. you know, like if you don't have any limits on what you can do, you kind of fall apart. So the metaphors he used were like, you know, your skin puts a lot of pressure on the insides of your body, but like, good thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They can't just grow forever. Or if you are starting a new plant, then you need to put it in a small pot that contains it for a while. And I feel like it sounds weird to get really philosophical about shopping, but I do think it's helpful to get a little bit of distance from our really consumerist focused culture Mm -hmm. and to just sometimes accept that you can't always buy the stuff you want. And if you don't get it, life will go on. And to work for the things that you do have, like instead of just getting, you know, like push a button and Amazon delivers it. (laughs) Still freaks me out. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, we've talked about like some of the more typically difficult things, but something that Nepal has or Kathmandu has that's really fun is a bunch of fair trade things. So not just clothes, Mm -hmm. but like Nepal is a huge tourist country, depends a lot on tourism. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they have a huge market for different handicraft kind of items. So typically like ceramics, like you can get really nice um, pottery items for very cheap or um, a lot of wool stuff like yak wool and clothing items. Knitted felted items. Mm -hmm. I love the like traditional style um, brass. Yes. So beautiful. Like home decor Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's cool because it's all like pretty traditional style mm-hmm. of making stuff. But then a lot of it's a little bit more modernized, like for foreigners. And it's affordable for us, mm-hmm. but really good wages for the people who are making yeah. the stuff. So it's really fun to feel that connection, you know, that when you're buying something, it's not just for you, but right. you're getting to support people in a way that's actually helpful to them. That's not just a handout. Mm hmm. 
So it's really fun. Sometimes the stores will have events where you can meet the artisans. Yes. I accidentally walked into one of those a few months ago. (laughs) Nice. Like my friends were visiting from America and we were going to this fair trade shop and we like get out of the um, taxi and there's all of these Nepali, like crowds of Nepali people in like like traditional saris and, you know, yeah, Nepali clothes and First of all, there's not usually that many people there, but and but usually it's Westerners because they're kind of tailored to like people, expats who live here. And we found out that it was all of the artisans coming in from like different neighboring districts. And so it was so sweet because they had like they were all posing in front of the things that they made and they'd brought their families and they were just having so much fun. It was like so nice. That's really awesome. Yeah. You definitely get to see the people who are making the things that you decorate your house with. I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that connection. Well, yes, that was the joys and sorrows of shopping in Nepal. We could talk a lot more about shopping because we do it fairly frequently in its many forms. But if you guys have any questions, then you should contact us. Yeah, you should. We We love love to answer your questions. questions. We'll read them out on the the air. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you guys. Segment of the week. This week's segment is Nepal Mystery Sound. Yes. So prepare your ears. This is a little bit jarring of a noise. So how it's going to work is we're going to play a sound for you. And then we will give you three options that you will consult your ears and your brain and decide which one you think it is. And be sure to shout out the answer awkwardly at the podcast. Yes. So in a way no that everyone else you thinks you're crazy. <laughs> that is our goal. Okay. You ready to listen to the noise? Let's do it. Prepare your ears. Oh my goodness. Wow. So what do you guys think that was? Do you think it was A, a police alert emergency system? What are those called? Emergency alert system? Was it some noisy cicadas? Or was it standing too close to a transformer box and thinking you might get electrocuted from the feedback? (laughs) So give it a thought. Yes, dear listeners, you decide. Okay, what'd you say? Were you right? Were you wrong? Do all of the people in the library you're sitting at hate you now? (laughs) Maybe all three somehow? (laughs) The answer was, drumroll please. (laughs) B. Noisy cicadas. Those cicadas, so a couple times ago when we were in the village, they were so loud. And I actually did think there was some kind of electrical feedback problem going on. Like, oh my gosh, are we going to die right now? Yeah. But no, it was just the loudest cicadas of all time. And they were doing that like as we were doing a community program that was very heated and like lively. So there was like 40 villagers 
all yelling over each other. And then there were cicadas that were even louder than anybody else. My nerves were shot after that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I yeah. slept for 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys. Hope you enjoyed this edition of Mystery Noise. Something like that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, thanks for listening. We As like always, you guys a lot. You guys are the best. Um, you know where to find us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and we have an email that you can always reach out to us. Big white podcast at gmail.com. You know it. And also, don't forget about the big white secret. Uh, please tell your friends about us because we know that they would love us. But don't we have tell confidence. them who we actually are because we would not love that. <laughs> And remember our Patreon page as well. Thank you so much to all of you awesome people who have become our patrons. You guys are amazing. And if you're interested in becoming a really cool Nepali animal, yeah, you should go check out the different options. Yep. Just search Big White Podcast on the Patreon page. You'll see us. We're bright orange. You know it. Hard to miss. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're done. I think I'm going to hang up now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Great. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.